0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show. Uh, I am Watt and it's 9 p.m. Eastern, like we do every day. Today's episode is titled New Alien Giza Pyramid, $100 Coke, and More News. It includes the Hometown Top 10 for the 3rd of March, 2023 let's get into the new oh you know what i'll do a rundown so the first article is about the a new aliens movie and then we're going to talk about pathfinder that uh and they're making they're uh, banning ai generated art um pfas or toxic forever chemicals are going to get talked about uh, and their first us limits are going to be coming down uh, egypt found a new uh Hidden Corridor in the Giza Pyramid, and uh, there weren't any aliens in it. Doggone it. Uh, Ring is requiring a subscription for certain features, uh, like heated seats and maybe tires. Oh, wait, that's somebody else. Big Law Partner learns that you shouldn't be causing or calling opposing counsel. Well, let's just say it's a colorful phrase. I can't say within the first eight minutes of a video. Uh, Jameson will pay you $10,000 to call in sick on St. Patrick's day, where a lot of people are already doing that anyway. I'm going to walk you through the venture capital due diligence process because it's an element of business and you might be interested in that kind of thing as you maybe pivot into becoming a venture capitalist, like maybe supporting hometown. Um, how an insect is using its butt to flick pea droplets and it could help your smartwatch stay dry. And a $100 box of Girl Scout cookies. Next, on the Town Daily News. Oh, look, it did it again. Why is it doing that?
1: It's trying to give you a grand entrance.
0: <laughs> but it's always Ta-da. the same ta da <laughs> hey uh so <clears throat> it did that thing again too where um i move from one side of my mixer to the other side of my mixer and it remains uh telling me that it's muted to the audience it's not muted to the audience although the audience may want it muted to the audience i am Marwat. that is ometown.com And uh, the AI from on high has graced us with their presence today instead of running off. And I don't know, maybe proving that various locations can be broken into, can be hacked, right? Because security is really weak, but AI is gonna turn all of that around. Is AI creating the very security nightmare that is out there just so that AI can take over the job? instead of security analysts
1: no i think ai is trying to improve the systems but it's not trying to take over for anybody's jobs
0: oh you're not taking her gerbs. okay so before we get too far you want to say hi to all of those citizens out there
1: good evening hometown citizens happy friday
0: oh and there's that little line of code pick up that can i always watch it go by okay so let's get into the news today we've uh, already selected all the articles but i did not open them this time even though i told the ai that i had already gotten everything open but Marowat is a slacker and uh, i'll have to throw this into chat as we go as well although it's already in showbot so see that link down there hometown.showbot.tv it actually isn't a clickable link but if you type that into the browser. You can go over there and vote on the articles that are gonna be talked about today. And if you like a particular article, it might, that topic might get pulled into another episode um, tomorrow or in the future. Um, so we're always trying to um, kind of keep things interesting for everybody in Omtown but also challenge preconceived notions about what the information might be so that you don't just get into an echo chamber. We don't want everybody just saying yes to everything. We want argumentation and debate, discussion. You know, throw some stuff into the chat and let me know that you are interested in this stuff and you have an opinion on it. Happy to diverge from the path. We may only be an hour, but I've been known to wander off the path What? Mayor what? Do what? So when you click that little link there at the bottom, just as an example, I'm going to be doing this this whole episode. Uh, When you click that visit the source link, it's going to open up a new window and send you over to the source of the information. Because all we have is this little snippet, not the whole thing. Boom. Look at that. I think their name is Charna, which Charna Flam. If this isn't an awesome name, I don't know what is. Uh, I don't know why I'm so fascinated by people's names, because like to them, their name might just represent the equivalent of calling somebody Bob. And you know, when you see a bunch of Bobs, you don't go, wow, that's amazing. You just go, oh, look, it's a Bob. But to Bob, it's basically Charna Flam. You know, they think that the name is special. I don't know why though, These, um, what I think is an exotic name is really fascinating. Um, and really apropos for what might be a new alien movie right so this is over at variety sorry go ahead you feel free to interrupt if you have something that you want to say AI.
1: i i liked the name it sounded like a great movie character or book character
0: right so um this is over at variety.com new alien movie starts filming in march reveals cryptic synopsis and full cast so (laughs) i would rather have a cryptic cast and a full synopsis (laughs)
1: um
0: maybe there's a spoiler in there but um yeah i'd be i'd love to be surprised by a cast like start watching it but i guess that that's what grabs people into the the movie but what i want to be grabbed by is the story and then i go in and i'm like oh my god these are the people that are in this movie And, and and be surprised by the cast you know well written and directed by i can't I'm. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce that last name, that first name. Fade, maybe? I'm going to go with Fade. Alvarez, which I'm really sorry if this is a popular name where I should have. I should know what it is, how to pronounce it. And it's been said time and time again around me. It's just kind of right over me. So I'll move past it. Uh, the ninth film in the franchise stars uh, Kaylee Spanny. Is that their name, last name? Man, I don't know what's going on today. It's like somebody—I <laughs> dig the names. It's a
1: reading test today.
0: Um, but I feel like it. ChatGPT just was told, "Hey, throw some names out for me." Um, I w- can you imagine what baby names are are going to be now that ChatGPT has the ability to? You just say, "Hey, I want an original spelling for you know Bob Smith." And it's going to come out with, you know, Charna Flam, you know?
1: Yeah, it's going to be tough to pronounce and to spell. <laughs>
0: There's a <laughs> That's silent actually what I
1: was thinking of, though, was Chad GPG when you got to about the third name. <laughs> <laughs>
0: 20th Century Studios has announced new plot details, cast additions, and production status for the latest alien film. While the premise for the yet to be titled movie has been kept under wraps, the studio did reveal the film will follow a group of young people on a distant world who find themselves in a confrontation with the most terrifying life form in the universe. Those who have been or who will be faced with the terrifying forms are David Johnson, uh, Archie Renault, Isabella Merced, Spike Fern, I think, (laughs) Aileen Wu, uh, all of whom will join the previously announced lead, Kaylee, I think their name is, Spanny. Um, Again, if I'm butchering names, then I'm really sorry. Um, But maybe it's apropos that I'm butchering names, considering they're going to be in a horror movie about an alien. Not all of them are coming home. I am pretty sure at any rate, this sounds a lot like the, um, there's a, um, Star Trek series about kids on a starship. Um, and now I can't remember what it's called. Um, but anyway, it sounds like that because I've seen a couple episodes, but I very rarely watch that. Anyway, love, love Star Trek. But I don't watch the the kids show. I think it's I think it's on Disney Plus.
1: <clears throat>
0: in addition to the cast announcement, 20th Century Studios announced that the ninth film of the franchise will begin production on March 9th in Budapest. Pretty cool. The untitled project joins the prequel series, which first premiered in 2012 with Prometheus, followed by Alien Covenant. The prequel series is the latest iteration and follows the original series, which began in 1979. I cannot believe that.
1: That's amazing that they're still doing this series of movies. I mean, that's quite a span. Uh,
0: To me, it jumped the shark with Alien vs. Predator, but people liked Alien vs. Predator, if I recall correctly. And then it's Aliens vs. Predator Requiem, which I've never even seen any tidbits of for the life of me. I I think I stopped at alien resurrection and then it went back to Prometheus and alien covenant at that time. uh, I felt like it was really kind of a money grab kind of a thing. Um, But I don't know. I, I like anything having to do with space and aliens and this whole world building aspect of it. But some of it sounds really far-fetched, but even for a, an alien
1: <laughs> I was going to say, entity, what about uh, the premise? <laughs>
0: where do I draw the line, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Did you find anything or do you want to say anything about it?
1: No, I'm not a fan of horror movies, but I do like space and sci-fi movies. Yeah.
0: So uh, this next article is in the Warcrafters channel. Um Pathfinder Maker bans AI-generated art and text in its games and a decision which it says is intended to support skilled writers and artists. Tabletop role-playing game publisher Paizo has announced that AI art and text will not be allowed within its products. Paizo is the publisher of Pathfinder, among other uh, tabletop RPGs. I don't know why it says T. TRPGs. I think it's usually TT, but tabletop RPGs. Uh, which serves as the basis of popular video game RPGs Pathfinder Kingmaker and Pathfinder uh, Wrath of the Righteous, which uh, is a relatively new release. Um, Quote, the ethical and legal issues surrounding AI art and writing prompt programs and the serious threat they pose to the livelihoods of partners who have helped us get to uh, where we are today as a company demand that we take. I'm going to assume firm action uh, because... um, the way that we grab things is we limit how much is actually, um, obtained from the source. Um, again, just to be abundantly clear, we don't do any screen scraping. It's readily available in a small form, um, by the website. Um, but then we link to the source so that we drive traffic over to them. Uh, this particular article is over at pcgamer.com and Jonathan Bolding is the author of this. And, um, as per usual, I don't read the entire article. Uh, to those hometown citizens who are listening to all of this, um, I want you to go over to PC Gamer and suss out more nuanced detail that only you will get. That perspective of and that you know idiomatic meaning from various elements it'll it'll speak to you differently than it speaks to me. So I always encourage you to go over and read it yourself. Hopefully. I kind of tease you into wanting to go over there and you say, "Wow, you really piqued my curiosity, Marwatt. I'm gonna follow that link. That's really what this is about. Um, so yeah, um, Pathfinder and Paizo are basically on the same they are one in the same company. When you think of Pathfinder, it is Paizo and all of the games that are associated with it are Paizo. Um, the glass cannon podcast, for instance, is in a partnership, very deep partnership with Paizo. Um, and, and when I think of one, I think of the other, I think that they're so, uh, tightly intertwined. Um, I think the glass cannon podcast and that group, um, really supercharged, uh, the, the, um, I guess that the picture of Pathfinder in people's minds now, instead of people thinking about D and D they think about Pathfinder. Um, and I think it stems greatly from um, the glass cannon podcast. So here's to them. Uh, they drew a lot of attention, by the way, to Pathfinder for me so much is so that I've purchased all of their stuff um, at one point or another in digital form, and I've actually got four of their hardbound books, um, two of which are sitting right next to me (laughs) because I read them periodically. So um, I can appreciate what they are doing. They are saying that they want to encourage human artists uh, in doing their work. Um, I can absolutely appreciate that. Um, That said, I think artificial intelligence, text prompt, uh, art generation is here to stay until society as a whole does this quantum shift away from embracing that type of technology and I can plainly say that that's never going to happen um, at least not for the great no- greater number of people um, and so let me just reiterate what they say stated plainly when you buy a Paizo product You can be sure that it is the work of human professionals who have spent years honing their craft to produce the best work we can, the company said. Paizo will not use AI-generated creative, quote-unquote, creative work of any kind for the foreseeable future. We thank the human artists and writers who have been so integral to our success in the past, and we look forward to working with them for many years to come. So, uh, you know, again, I can appreciate that. Um, uh, but the pragmatic business person in me, uh, also ha- hears other people saying to me, well, that's akin to paying the military because you're not going to piss off the people protecting you. Um, and so, you know, if Paizo were to embrace AI tech and writing, so many people would abandon ship so fast, it would make your head spin. Um. While others would embrace it, you know, others would just go on board because they like whatever is generated for the generation's sake, not for the human component therein. But I see AI as a threat to AI generated written work and, and um, art as a, a threat to many people who uh, make their money off of the art and writing. So I can see it.
1: I suspect the community is going to like this stance, and certainly, assuming they are satisfied with the quality, which I'm sure they are, um, it's going to be interesting. I think other companies are going to run into the same question, and it'll be interesting to see if they all approach it the same way. Because I think if somebody else takes a different stance, that may open the door to to other companies doing that.
0: Yeah, I would say uh, the the provenance of the company uh, or institution that embraces the AI it, if they are well respected and they say hey I I appreciate the AI written and artwork uh work product then other people might appreciate it as well, but as long as um, well respected name brands say no to te- that that kind of tech then the, the regular user is going to say no to that tech as well for the most part i'd say so here's to paizo sticking to it and um, supporting the human um, talent let's move on to the next article now, this is number three out of ten um and it is a top 10 show in that uh, we have gone through the news and found 10 articles that we find are interesting and it's not really based on uh, quantification but more qualification based on the ai and and uh, Marwat going through these articles uh, throughout the day so this next article is um in the mobile channel and toxic forever chemicals about to get their first u.s limits uh one moment i'm sorry i just have to make sure of something so, um, yeah, I guess you could say if uh, the very first one was number 10 and then Pathfinder's number nine, and then we are currently on number eight. So the EPA is expected to propose uh, restrictions on harmful forever chemicals in drinking water after finding they are dangerous in amounts so small as to be undetectable. So as to be undetectable in the current level of measurement, I would say. Um But experts are say removing them will cost billions, a burden that will fall hardest on small communities with few resources. So this really is a federal issue. If the EPA is going to pass down a rule, then I guess the government's gonna have to step up. Uh, Michael Phyllis and Brittany Peterson over at Fizz.org wrote this article and they say, concerned about chemicals ability to weaken children's immune systems, the EPA said last year that PFAS or these um, various what's referred to as forever chemicals um, could cause harm at levels much lower than previously understood. Uh, <laughs> I think plastic is just as bad, um, but these are actually raw chemicals, from my understanding. Um, "Quote: We as a community of scientists and policymakers and regulators really missed the boat early on," said Susan, uh, Susan pinney or Penny. Um, director of the Center for Environmental Genetics at the University of Cincinnati. I woke up this morning and got coffee. I wonder what Susan Pinney did at the Center <laughs> of Environmental Genetics.
1: Considering I didn't even know that was a field, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm slacking.
0: <laughs> yeah, really? Microbiology what? Um <laughs> So there is also evidence that compounds are linked to low birth weight, kidney cancer, and a slew of other health issues. It's unclear what the EPA will now propose and how well it will protect people from these recently understood harms. We're still learning about even microplastics being found everywhere from food to water to our own internal organs have them um, when they are, um, I guess, assessed, I'll say it that way. Anyway, we are still discovering what we are actually doing to ourselves, let alone the environment. So, when somebody discovers something like this, there's always this blowback, and it starts with political blowback, where people say, We'll stop testing and the problem goes away, which is complete idiocy. Um, the, the other day, there was um, a claim from one political person saying to the other political person, well, you're just going to make this happen because you said that it's coming. Whatever it is, is coming. Um, and I was rather shocked because society really does want to move away from internal combustion engines and and oil and gas products because they are destructive to the environment. But this is built off of the idea that people are getting educated on what it's doing to the environment and the world around us. Um, and uh, lo and behold, they they. Instead of going, oh yeah, we've educated ourselves and we see this. What you see, we see. No, it's oh no, we see what you see, but we're going to issue all of this, you know, smart talk, and we want our internal combustion engines so that we can advance for the local instead of for the global. You know, and by local, I mean the the microcosm of that person's worldview versus. What a lot of people today see as a macrocosm of the worldview, how we are all intertwined through our environment. It's quite fascinating what's coming. Um, but as more chemicals are discovered that are bad for us, we are issuing those chemicals instead of um, just gobbling them down. And we've done that time and time over history, you know, pans and pots that used to be lined with poison chemicals have been removed and new poisons have been applied to these pans and then discovered later that, Oh hell, this is bad. Let's move on to something else. And do you have any opinion on this kind of stuff?
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I think the most horrendous use of this is for food packaging. Um, I mean, that's about as close as it gets to, you know, human uh, consumption. I, it's going to be interesting. I think this is a good move um, in terms of um, setting standards and doing more testing. It's going to be very interesting if it's one of those where it's pretty much everywhere um, to see what happens because we've seen localized issues with this where it's been announced that it's at high concentrations in communities and well, it's not been very well received by the communities and understandably.
0: Yeah, so it says uh, over the last decade, an increasing number of cities and towns often abutting manufacturing plants or air force bases. And it's not limited to air force bases, by the way. Um, Recent word of uh, other bases um, basically reinforced this, that industrial chemicals were used on military bases and it seeps into the groundwater system that permeate out of the base, obviously, because the base doesn't just sit there and drill down 20 miles and prevent any liquids from circulating underneath. Well, in this particular instance, suddenly they realized they had a problem. In 2016, for example, Sarah McKinney was on a maternity leave when she got word that there was too much PFOA and PFOS in the tap water in her Colorado spring suburb. She picked up her weeks-old uh, daughter and hustled out to buy enough bottled water for her family of five, which is a metric ton, by the way. Quote, If I'm just spitting it out, can I brush my teeth? She remembers wondering, well... You'll minimize the exposure, but you'll still be permeating your face with this water Um, in response to concerns from people who had been drinking the water for years. McKinney's water utility switched to a different source, provided um, water bottle filling stations and installed a two point five million dollar water treatment system um, that was the first of its kind in the country, according to Lucas Hale, the district manager, the water district manager, to be sure. The chemicals had gotten into the water from nearby Peterson Air Force Base, which then built a treatment facility, which, who knows, it's going to mitigate, of course, but the chemicals are still in the ground seeping into the water. What about the other animals and other life in the area? It's still going to get permeated into those um, items as well. There are, in certain places, irradiated um, islands where we've done nuclear testing and it's still irradiated where the fruit that grows is radioactive. Oh wow! So the stuff doesn't just disappear because we no longer want to pay attention to it. It's still there. So it says fact, nationally.
1: Sorry. sorry, that reminded me. There was another article in hometown today that we're not featuring, but it was about Chernobyl, and it had actually, I didn't read the whole article, but it had affected the genetics of dogs in the area, which is pretty astounding.
0: Yep, um, because the radiation actually does genetic modification. Um, wobble, that is unnatural, but natural, because uh, radiation is natural, just that concentration is not. Um, so it can actually modify genetics um, if you remain in the area. Um, and that genetic modification can continue on because it actually modifies the reproductive cells. Um, yeah, so this is how you end up with a, uh, how, what do you want to call it? A pillar dog or a cat, a dog or a, a cat and dog or a dog cat? something that has like centipede legs or a scented dog I don't know what you want to call it but uh this is how you end up with some unnatural stuff
1: a dogapede
0: <laughs> dogapede there you go yeah and when you don't when it's not a purebred dogapede then it's a mudapede anyway so a consultant looked at federal and test, uh, state test results and estimated that 4 to 12% of water providers nationally will need to treat for pfas due to the EPA rule and um, so be it i mean we got to keep citizens healthy and that's where the money should be going Um, albeit we have interests overseas as well and we shouldn't be xenophobic about protecting our friends in other places their friends uh, go ahead i'm
1: sorry that percentage is much lower than i would expect but i also wonder I assume those are localized water providers, but that doesn't tell us how much of the land is covered or how much of the population.
0: And just how many How many of the water providers, what is the number of water providers? This is a percentage, exactly. but how many is the number of providers that are out there, you know?
1: And for example, in a place like New York City, I have no idea if that's an affected area, there's millions of people in the population. So all of those, are in that zone,
0: for instance. Right, for a particular water provider, and are they one of them? Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, this'll this'll be something that we'll keep an eye on because PFAS is actually a growing concern, just like microplastics were. Remember, microplastics are a concern and people are actually doing research on them. But that's an older idea that got into um, the modern psyche PFAS is even more new <laughs> where they're sitting there going, Hey, this stuff is permeating the ground um, and causing long term problems to people. It's because we didn't know what it is. But there are so many people out there that just go, Well, uh, you know, I don't have a third arm, so I don't care. Um, yeah. Well,
1: and-, and one of the problems is, of course, the water supply has been contaminated for a long time. So, Some of these places are in generations of impact and don't necessarily know it or they're just learning it from other places we've seen in the news.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I apply that to even sociological forces. If you've lived in a world where all you've known is what you have been experiencing, that does not mean that the rest of the world is what you are experiencing. It just means that you're not privy to it. So I'm always fascinated by the fact that people go, well, you know, that's how they live their life and we shouldn't do anything uh, to impact their way of life. And I say, if you show them that there might be a better way of life, why is that a bad thing versus maybe stopping this abuse that they've been going through or ignorance that they've been dealing with and not of their own accord? It's not like it's willful. It's that they've just not been shown anything different. And I think if you want to go the other way, that should be an educated decision, not somebody else's mandate, but it's about openness, inclusion, equity, uh, uh, opportunity. opportunity. <laughs> the, <laughs> you know, it, it's about open arms instead of xenophobic closed door, put blinders on, don't allow our money to be spent other than within my microcosm. It's quite the opposite of what a whole cohort of people are interested in. Fizz.org would not exist if not for the uh, uh, desire to seek more knowledge about the natural order of things, the natural existence. Um, I'm, I'm always astonished that people are saying we need to stop doing this, that, or the other. We wouldn't know about forever chemicals. We wouldn't know about microplastics. We wouldn't know about so many harmful things to us, if not for, you know, people looking beyond themselves. So I'll move on to the next article. And, uh, yeah, I did say, sorry, I'm just answering what the AI is asking. Um, so the next article, which is number seven right?
1: That's right. <laughs> uh,
0: how does subtraction work?
1: <laughs> so,
0: <laughs> wow. Um, all these lights, uh, I'm just dazzled. Um, I rolled a one. Uh, anyway, uh, the next article is over on the mobile channel, Egypt unveils hidden corridor in Giza pyramid. I'm kind of bummed that they they didn't find a little green man in there or little green alien, I guess I should say. Anyway, scientists have discovered a hidden passage inside Egypt's great pyramid. The authorities announced on Thursday, part of a seven year international research project, which involved some really amazing tech that I've actually seen, um, not firsthand, but via videos. Not only have I seen what they were, what they found, Um, Because they sent an endoscope down a little um, gap where the chevron stones for the real entrance into the pyramid form a point. They kind of slid an endoscope down the opening into this, um, I think it's about six feet tall um, area that continues the arches. The, the vaulted ceiling. It's really amazing. But they use, like, a, I think it's called a muon detector. So let's go into the article itself.
1: Hey, so that is the best use of an endoscope ever if you're an endoscope. Like, that's your best day. <laughs> <laughs> Compared I don't to know. your normal work.
0: <laughs> do you think there's sentient endoscopes out there? In the, in the grand scheme of things, we just haven't been able to figure out their language. And every endoscope that exists has its own personality. And it, it's like, what'd you do today? You don't want to know, man. You don't want to know. <laughs> yeah.
1: When they say, I've seen some
0: stuff, man. I've seen some stuff. <laughs> so new, uh, new uh, sci- now scientists from Technical University of Munich, um, which is, I guess, referred to as tum, um, have used ultrasound and, endoscop- and endoscopy to make an important contribution to confirming this assumption. I don't think I, I didn't think that it was ultrasound. They've used more than ultrasound. They used muon detectors. I'm tell- I hope that it talks about this in here. Um, but they used a bunch of different um, resources to find this opening because. Uh, one versus the other was sitting there being said to be um, unreliable and so they did a bunch of non-destructive testing before they decided to take that endoscope and stick it in the Great Pyramid um, when they could have done that all along. Uh, I mean it was there and all I had to do was slide it down through this little I don't want to frame this as anything other than an endoscope down a crack Anyway, the status of the Egyptian pyramid is one of the best investigated structures uh, in the world makes this find particularly important. They've actually found a much larger um, void in the pyramid, um, uh, well above this one, over by the king's chamber, above the king's chamber, as a matter of fact, this is actually right above the opening and only extends about 20 feet, I think 25 feet. so the Cheops pyramid or Cheops pyramid um, is considered the largest and oldest of the pyramids of Giza um, as part of one of the seven world, wonders of the world. Uh, it is been thoroughly explored. However, the structure still holds many undiscovered secrets um, as part of the international research team scan pyramids, which you can actually do a Google search for and find a bunch of videos on YouTube. Um, have proven the existence of an empty chamber that was until now only posited based on measurement data and i want to see if they actually mention um the other no they don't at least not so far anyway this is a picture from the endoscope um of what it looks like inside with these rough hewn um blocks uh where people assume that it was intentionally unfinished and uh, maybe even acting as pressure relieving chambers like the ones that are above the king's chamber. Um, and, I, you know, I, I'm really interested in that kind of thing, but I haven't done any research, uh, education, a- educating myself on how the relieving chambers actually relieve weight other than the fact that they are devoid of massive blocks above the king's chamber. But then all of this is also covered in massive blocks so i don't know how it works but it's obviously a physics thing um so i'll have to take a look
1: it did mention radar so i don't know if that relates to the muon testing possibly but um i didn't see anything about muon so far
0: yeah at least not yet so up here i wish that this site wouldn't do this but um it kind of makes the fog of war kind of appear on these pictures, but up here in the red, it, which is hard to see. Maybe if I click on it, it'll zoom. There we go. So up here is one of the, um, voids that they're trying to figure out if it really exists. The one that they're talking about in this article is actually way down here and is tiny compared to, uh, the reality of this massive chamber up here. Um, And so the one that they're looking at is amazing for what it is, but I'm waiting for this big one up here to be shown, um, with a little endoscope that's, you know, 200 feet wide or long. So where they, what they did was they put the little, I think it's actually right here, um, where the four chevrons meet together. Um, right there is the opening. And so you have, it's always been there. And apparently there's a big enough, uh, opening to put your hand in, but uh, ultimately it ends up being a little endoscope hole that you have to slide it down, uh, based on the video that I saw and the v- words that I heard at the time the video was playing. So, um, quite fascinating that we've done this and it's only taken 5,000 years for us to stick an endoscope in it. Um, So the chamber is larger than researchers had assumed in the past. The original measured uh, data pointed to the existence of a corridor at least five meters long. However, according to initial estimates, the uh, length of the chamber is considerably longer than that length. There are no footprints or other evidence of human activity uh, seen within the chamber. Uh, Thus, the research group assumes that the room uh, has not been seen by anyone for approximately 4,500 years. I wonder if those footprints would stay in the dust if oh, dust right. coated it.
1: I mean, that makes me wonder, <laughs> like, when would the footprints have disappeared? Or
0: <laughs> but there's a lot of contention about just what was uh, what writing actually exists in the pyramid with people saying they said they said. And and this isn't really um, writing from the time, but later on and things like that. Um, Although some people said that there is writing that's obscured by other stones, and thus it is builder um, time frame writing. Um, I don't know. I, I've there's been so much noise in Egyptology that I'm I, I and I'm not really prone to following only what is handed to me, regardless of the paper. I trust but verify, and I can't verify anything beyond the obvious. Um, so I think this is really neat, I think the transparency is uh, amazing, uh, how long they knew uh, isn't actually particularly of issue because they actually showed the endoscope going down the tube into that chamber, um, and now it's time for this bigger chamber to be exposed, so let's get to it folks, and thanks, um, thanksfiz.org and others. I mean, this is all over uh, the internet at the moment. So you want to move on to the next article or do you have anything that you want to add to this?
1: I don't have anything else to add. It's pretty neat. That's really cool. I don't remember when the last discovery has been like that. I mean, it, that stands out.
0: Well, so many, um, investigations have been pooed out of well, they're gonna be tampering with stuff or they're gonna expose information, et cetera. Um, you know, nothing, nothing will ever be shown that challenges the preconceived notion of the historical record as provided by those that are in control. Um, so you will always hear a reference bringing back, reinforcing it's always been this way. So this next article is over on the Late Night Geeks channel, which is a, a, a new um, edition activated. It's been in hometown, but it hasn't been acquiring much news. Um, but uh, we're, I'm working on making everything um, more enhanced with updated news sources. This one is a uh, ring is requiring a subscription for more camera and alarm features because you always have to eke out more profits quarter after quarter otherwise stockholders get really pissy yet another company will charge its customers more money for using existing features as the subscription-based smart home becomes the norm amazon owned ring so now i'm not going to become a affiliate or partner over at twitch just kidding twitch i think you're awesome Um, but anyway amazon uh, owned ring is making several free features part of its paid subscription program starting in march 29th as of that date if you own a ring video doorbell or a camera you will no longer have access to home and away modes in the app without a paid subscription starting at four dollars a month so that i think has actually gone up um because uh no 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 i think um they've created more strata so which let, means
1: more money paid by the consumers usually
0: <laughs> yeah more tranches of opportunity for the organization to make more money Eek out 10 more percent and you are a hero ceo cost anything and you are evil and must be replaced at all costs i liken a lot of businesses to dune and the Harkonin being told by the emperor to squeeze every last drop of, well, and in this uh, Harkonnen, um, the, the, what do you call him? I can't remember his name. Um, It's Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. So Baron Harkonnen tells one of his kids to go and, and the cousin actually to go to Dune Um, and squeeze every last bit of spice out of dune uh, even going so far as to eliminate the uh, fremen anyway um, sidetrack because that's not what ring is doing ring is basically just ringing money out of your wallet Um, so let's go over to the source it's at theverge.com uh, the AI is another
1: knows. sponsor.
0: <laughs> uh, Ring and yes. uh, maybe Amazon. and maybe. <laughs> <Yes>. So uh, <laughs> on March 29th, all new users of the Ring alarm system uh, will have to pay for basic features such as arming and disarming the system and using Alexa voice control. Jeez. My God, man, arming and disarming the system
1: that seems really low <laughs> or high in this instance. Oh, my
0: God. Okay, folks, everybody just do what you need to do, which is sink some money into an infrastructure, locate uh, a piece of equipment, prosumer, um, ubiquity. You buy a UDM pro, you buy uh, some protect um storage which is another device underneath it it is basically um a it's a switch so you connect your udm pro to this switch it has storage you connect cameras a wireless doorbell or wired doorbell it all records locally you can exfiltrate that data off-site so if anything happens to the house you still have an or or um business because it's prosumer it's wi-fi 6e you are in control of it it's a one-time fee at least for now ubiquity don't get any damn ideas and uh, you have local storage and remote storage it's easy peasy
1: you know i'm going to be pretty mad if i installed a ring say yesterday because they're still subject to some of these fees so they're not even grandfathered in
0: Yep. As a matter of fact, this is the reason and quality control of the ring original ring doorbell is why I removed my ring doorbell and ring camera. And I no longer have ring products because they kept inching away from, um, what was the implied contract, which is I buy the product. I get the goods, whatever it is that I'm buying now. It shouldn't change because you have a profit motive that exceeds your grasp at the time. Now, suddenly It costs a little more and then it costs a little more, but nothing fundamentally has changed. I have the same quality of service. I have the same piece of equipment. I have the same internet that's provided and the same reliability. And if I don't have the same reliability, you as a business is failing, not me as a customer. I bought it in good faith at a price point in good faith. Just because you have other duties as assigned doesn't mean that I am part and parcel to the contract and my bargaining power is bound by walking away, which means I have to purchase more stuff from a competitor. And that's how you make your money ring. But I lose in all ways. I have to either sell it and the person buying it has to go, oh, shit. Now I'm the one stuck with this Um, or I stay there you know, or I leave entirely, I go buy something else.
1: I suspect, I don't agree with this approach, but I think there's like a lot of products, people buy them and then they never buy another product again because it works. <laughs> and so as a business, it's, you know, it's like, well, wait, now what can we charge our consumers? but I really yeah. don't like this approach we're seeing out of you know, the automotive industry and this, it just seems like everybody's moving toward another subscription.
0: You know, I actually purchased, I purchased, here I'll, I don't wanna give it away because I don't want anybody to hear what I'm saying and then like run with it as if I'm you know, saying, hey, you should speak out on my behalf. I purchased something and I purchased a lifetime license And then the company folded by being purchased by somebody else. And now they're providing the same solution to that other company and they've killed off enhancement to the original product, but not until after I purchased a lifetime license. So now they are making more money on the same product in another company. And I'm stuck with a lifetime license that's not being developed except for extreme security patches. And even then, I don't know what the hole is, even if they were to stall entirely for the next five years, the assumption would be, well, this is opening up slowly to security breaches because I'm security savvy to some degree. Um, I won't promise that I'm a hundred percent, but. Software that doesn't keep getting enhanced means that it's going to be a security issue at some point. But that's not what you're paying for. You're paying for a service to store that this video remotely and provide access to this device remotely. Now you have to pay to get that access when previously you didn't. I, I'm just rather shocked. So they talk about the Ring app and Alexa and other things. Um, the Pro plan which used to be $10 a month if I recall correctly, because I used to pay $99 a year. um, And now it's $20 a month and $200 a year. The basic plan is $40 a year. Oh, and there, that's it. You know, this is why I say that I don't read the full article prior to the show. I read it as I'm going. And uh, here is the very thing that I just got done saying. This used to cost just $10 a month, but Ring raised all of its prices last year. I haven't had ring for approximately four years now, maybe three. I'm kind of lost after COVID. I think I, I changed everything during COVID. At any rate, um, they even refer to it as the camera bait and switch seems most egregious. It's retroactive. Whereas the ring alarm change only applies to new user users. As of March 29th, my ring camera stopped getting supported but only because it kept on breaking and disconnecting and stopped functioning uh, reliably. So I ended up, that was one of the, when both of them, the doorbell quality suffered and then I had to start paying more. Um, And um, the uh, camera itself was, which was a separate device just kept on disconnecting and failing. And then they integrated it into their Google app instead of the ring app. Uh, It was just a big cluster. so. At any rate, it says, um, that there was an update here at 1130 AM clarified that you only need a ring protect basic plan to get access to the newly paywalled features on ring alarm. A ring protect pro pro plan is $20, um, and is not required, but you still have to pay for something that when you first got it was initially free. This is something that I think should be addressed, um, through litigation, through policy at the federal level. Um, but you try and go against anything corporate says, and you are demonized. And again, I just want to make it abundantly clear to anybody who hears my voice. I am a capitalist through and through, but I'm an ethical capitalist who doesn't believe on that stepping on people's necks to get ahead is the winning plan. The the winning algorithm, (laughs) no AI that is developed by a non-sociopath is going to tell you that, yeah, screw everybody get yours. That's not how it's supposed to work as a member of society. Anyway, um, the next article is in the Law Nerd channel. Big Law Partner learns you shouldn't call opposing counsel an effing piece of shit, worthless human in court. That's right, you wait until you're at the bar. Um, The judge wasn't pleased, but declined to impose sanctions, which (laughs) it's one hell of a lenient judge. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, This is an article over at Above the Law. So let's click that link. Um, This is, I think, number five, right? I think we're at number five.
1: Oh, yes, it is. Sorry.
0: No. I think it's four now.
1: That's five, I think.
0: Oh, it is five. Okay. Math is hard. Subtraction is difficult. As the day goes on, it becomes more and more difficult. Only the AI could have deduced this. Come on. So let's go over to the big law article here. This is at above the law.com written by Catherine Rubino. Um, It's over in the show notes as well. And the VOD. Um, It's really not a good look when a federal judge calls your behavior unacceptable and deplorable. Uh, But that's exactly what happened to Taylor English partner Nathan A. White, who was bench slapped. I like that they came up with that um by federal judge max O'Cogburn jr i just think this person dresses like in steampunk culture
1: oh most definitely <laughs>
0: top hat and
1: the glasses or exactly goggles
0: maybe yeah 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 um and uh, a trench coat but when they are on the bench they swap out the trench coat for black robes And then when they leave the bench, they take off the black robes and they're like, oh man, I am not comfortable in that flowing airy robe. I'm going to put on that heavy 200 pound trench coat, um, with brass fittings and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, exactly. Max O. Cogburn Jr. presiding. And he talks like that. I'm going to say that your stuff is unacceptable and deplorable. Gessner filed a motion seeking sanctions on the way that White treated her, as reported by the ABA Journal. Gessner described a, distur- the, the, a disturbing courtroom confrontation on February 28th after jurors for the first phase of the trial were dismissed and the court was in recess. Let's, I'll just say a little bit about it, a little bit. just I'm not going to read the whole thing because you all can go and do that. Suddenly, without warning or provocation, White spoke to Gessner very loud and in a condescending tone, asking her whether she was aware which defendants were represented by Dancy. The sanctions motion says. After Gessner responded that she was aware, White exploded and began yelling. The motion says, You're an effing piece of shit, worthless human, White allegedly said. You know what? You are a worthless human. (laughs) Gessner said she responded that, White doesn't get to speak to her like that. And if she can't speak to her with respect, he should not say anything at all. I had a similar conversation like that. They didn't speak to me that way. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't be standing next to me anymore. Um, But yeah, speak with respect at all times, folks. Uh, particularly in a professional setting and in a courtroom i'm surprised that judge cogburn found white did in fact use vulgar language against ms gesner approached her in an antagonistic manner and otherwise acted towards ms gesner in uh, the manner she described in her motion and it was undisputable that white engaged in multiple types of inexcusable professional misconduct uh, by verbally attacking opposing counsel in the courtroom and in the presence of staff a uh, court staff and the court security officer. Meanwhile, Gessner at all times acted professionally during the verbal altercation. So why weren't sanctions actually performed? Why wasn't
1: there was some medical issue? I think that's why I think there's more to the story that we're not getting in the article because that should have resulted in sanctions.
0: Uh, yes, the medical issue as justification for your poor behavior
1: i mean it does not excuse it but i think that's probably why that wasn't what
0: no okay my sarcasm might be abundant anyway if you have the ability to string together that diatribe in response to a question being answered then i think you're pretty damn healthy um but maybe I'm just an intolerant mayor
1: you know if you have enough um uh composure to make a court appearance (laughs) (laughs) presumably you're in reasonably good shape
0: yeah yeah if they would have said afterward after the event they were
1: right. That would have been a completely different context.
0: Oh, we got it. Okay, so you had like a mini stroke, and that During impaired your the, cognitive the abilities to, to filter your verbiage. You went, you know, completely into the uh, f-bomb dictionary. Yeah, or what? What? What would? What, what would the, be the thing for the? Not a dictionary.
1: For,
0: um, the law synonyms and stuff i mean it's in oh, the dictionary a th-
1: thesaurus
0: a thesaurus there you go see did you know that that's the only dinosaur that could speak <laughs> i'm gonna move on so here we are the next article is jameson will pay you ten thousand dollars to call in sick and drink beer on saint patrick's day jameson is launching a contest to offer drinks uh or uh, sorry, drinkers a $10,000 bonus to play hooky on March 17th, according to an email from the brand. Individuals can pledge to take PTO on that day through a contest website to be entered for a chance to win a cash prize. Uh, One winner will receive a $10,000 check, but only if they can prove that they stepped away from their desk for that day. You know, we're still kind of teleworking. Everybody can be, possibly. (laughs) Away I think from this desk. is
1: kind of a weird time to do the contest, but it's kind of enticing. I'm like, hmm, I get to take the day off from work. Yeah, and really. I might win some money, too. And Yet maybe s- I get to drink Jameson, I don't know.
0: <laughs> Yet somehow, even if we were to say that we were going to take this day off, we'd still end up working. No matter what. It, there's always work. I wonder if this counts. Huh. This is pretty stress-free, so... I don't know if this is work. I don't Jameson know if this will, is work. Jameson will call the winner between 3 and 4 p.m. that afternoon to ensure they're celebrating properly with friends and family. Ha! I got him beat. I don't have any friends. Um. Anyway, then they link to a, what might be a recipe over at vinepear.com. Um, so let's go over to that source, ba And guess what? It's vinepear. So there's a picture by Jameson Irish Whiskey. It says the photography is Jameson Irish Whiskey. So I don't know if this person's name is Jameson Irish Whiskey. But
1: they picked a good place to work with that name.
0: (laughs) So Nicolette Baker is the writer for this article over at vinepair.com. And again, it's titled Jameson will pay you $10,000 to call in sick and drink beer on St. Patrick's Day. Well, I can't lie, but I can say I want to take a personal day. Um, you know, you I now have zero...
1: not beer, right? I'm sorry? Uh, they should probably be drinking whiskey, not beer, right? Uh,
0: I can accomplish that. Pretty easy mood. Um, you now have zero excuses for missing this year's St. Patrick's Day celebrations, except for maybe getting fired or not having food on the table. Um, Jameson is launching a contest offer: drinkers $10,000 bonus to play hooky. Uh, I could not sign up for this earlier today, and I think it starts formally on Monday.
1: Monday. Mm-hmm.
0: So the, coin, the contest coincides with a cheeky initiative from the Irish whiskey brand to encourage employees to take allotted PTO. Actor and producer Regina Hall partnered with Jameson to introduce the $17 desk decoy. A personalized cardboard cutout for people to place at their desks on St. Patrick's Day. Again, I've got them beat. I don't have a desk. Um, So if your supervisor doesn't fall for it, don't blame them. There is more to uh, this article. It says all proceeds from the festive promotion will benefit the Restaurant Workers Community Foundation. And orders for the personalized cutouts will end on March 10th and will be delivered by St. Patrick's Day. What do you think? Now the AI can't get drunk except on information, so.
1: I think the contest sounds fun. (laughs) Because it's a day off from work, even if you don't win.
0: True. So I guess it's a win-win, except for not getting paid if you don't, if you get paid by the day. That
1: only works if you have a day to take off. (laughs) not if you're hourly or something and going to lose your job i would not recommend entering the contest then
0: yeah that's why they say pto's so paid time off yeah so, or personal time off uh the next article and i think that we are at number three uh, what does venture capital due diligence process look like? Here is a step-by-step guide. I'm very interested in in kind of a, espousing the uh, entrepreneurship perspective of things, and one of those things is when you get ripe for venture capital and in, in investing, uh, you as a entrepreneur as an entrepreneur want to be familiar with the process so that you at least come across knowing somewhat of what this process is about. So. We're going to just follow this link. Um, Let me make sure that I've got it. My goodness, Um, here we go. So Alexander, uh, I guess it's Chachava or Kakava. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. I'm sorry, Alexander. Um, Anyway, uh, venture capital firms typically follow a due diligence process when evaluating potential investment targets. This is a step-by-step explanation of it prepared by a seasoned venture capitalist. Um, so I've pitched uh, business process, well businesses, and, and uh, worked with people to pitch um, over the years, and um, this is the paperwork behind the pitch, not anything having to do really with the pitch itself. This is this is all the paperwork. So you do an initial screening to identify if the startup has potential, if it has legs. If it has legs, then you do more research into it. If you have, as a VC or angel, you think that there is uh, a chance that this will be a success, you are largely investing in both the senior leadership of the enterprise and buying into their dream, um, and uh, looking at if they have a strategic advantage to. uh, excel in the market so you won't invest in something where they well you might just so that you can get a piece of the action because you know it has momentum but if you really want a massive return on your investment then the strategic advantage of the company and the dream and motivation of those founders um, is very very important to you so it says during the first conversion it says conversions um, it's conversations with the founders. The VC firm makes a preliminary review of the company's business plan, market opportunity and management team. And from that point on, you can superficially assess the profile of the startup and make a decision regarding further observation. So if they are a complete numb nuts when you were talking to them in that initial meeting, guess what you're not gonna do, hopefully, uh, invest. Not ruin their dream, but just make their lack of a real dream immediately apparent to them and actually if you're a vc and you tell somebody that and they don't buy into it it'll either make them stronger in formulating their dream into something another vc or you at a later date um, can buy into if they can make it live then maybe at a later date you'll invest it'll be at a different valuation so you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot So then you do market research and that's to find out about its size and competition. I'm reading some of the snippets of this, but you really want to find out if there is an opportunity for this business to grow, not just to what it is now, but with your money, your capitalization, will it explode on the scene? Um, Much like Facebook, right? Not to use Facebook as an example, but it's one of the biggest, explosions in adoption um one can actually discuss along with like TikTok and stuff like that um but basically facebook was a college project run by somebody that i think is unethical but um at any rate a couple of investors came along and capitalized it and it blew up and then they were tied to and had connections to a bank so when they ended up doing an ipo the minimum um value for the stock was held there by the 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 bank and buyers making sure that the stock price was held up um and uh, turned it into a very successful ipo why because they did the market research and they knew what this particular developer had in mind um, along with the investors in the initial um, angel rounds and VC rounds basically amplified the ability for Facebook to become what it is today. But they did a financial analysis and said, well, this is what it's worth. This is where we see it's going. This is how much we'll invest. And they have pre money valuation and post money valuation. And when you are born with a silver spoon in your mouth, you can tell your investors, I want to maintain 51%. Otherwise you'll lose control of the business. And the board can vote you out as ceo and you just become a what amounts to a silent partner with a whole lot of shares um, and you can become an activist investor um, but you'll still be on the outs based on the board voting you out as ceo so hold on to 51 percent with all your might if you can then there's or i should say the dominant share um that is being traded because if somebody else gathers up 51 percent, then you are on the outs um, or i should say the dominant amount of shares in control um, so it gets a little murkier from here because you'll have to do legal review that costs money techno- technology assessment and customer validation which basically shows that you have that strategic advantage and that there are customers that are actually buying it and then management evaluation and reputation check if you see somebody that's kind of pulling, a what's his name, George Santos, then you basically punt. Um, and then due diligence report is provided by the VC analyst who will write a report and provide it, uh, to you. If you are paying somebody else to do it, you are typically part of a firm. Otherwise you're well, if you're doing all of this by yourself, then you're either an AI yourself, um, or just a juggernaut in the industry. Um, and you focus on something very specific. Uh, but usually you have somebody else that does a lot of this um, other than direct interviews and you read the reports and you verify um, through questions and stuff like that to the the team that's uh, about to get invested in pretty interesting. Um, definitely go over to entrepreneur.com and read more of this because what I did was basically uh, an abstract summary of the, full steps and you'll always glean more from an article um if you go and read it and i do encourage you if you're interested in this kind of thing did you want to add anything
1: no i don't have anything else to add on this one
0: right on okay so uh, we have two more articles to go over Uh, this is number two it's in the late night geeks channel which is basically uh, a a channel for uh, gamers uh, to talk about Gaming gadgets and technology late into the night. Um, I am a a night owl by nature, um, and I'm usually up until two, maybe later. um, But I'm not necessarily streaming, but I would love to uh, do late night geeks as long as I can. Um, But I'm always looking for somebody to host shows. So if you're interested in this, uh, let me know and uh, we'll work something out. Just get in touch with a mayor at hometown.com. That said, how an insect using its butt to flick pea droplets could keep your smartwatch dry. Yeah, I said all that.
1: I think that's the best um, headline for tonight's show.
0: (laughs) I would probably hazard a guess that this is the best one in terms of headlines ever.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah uh, that's true
0: <laughs> the incredible way this bug peas could inspire more efficient designs for water resistant devices because i guess their little their little pea droplet right there isn't actually touching them i suppose um and uh here's another phrase that i will probably never say outside of this show this is the sharpshooter insect with a pea droplet excreta on the anal stylus
1: i hope that's the last time you ever say that
0: sentence <laughs> worst brand of ipad stylus ever and it doesn't even write underwater <sighs> Saad bamla is the uh, was in his vegetable garden in atlanta georgia when he first noticed the feet the sharpshooter forms neat round pea droplets and then it flicks it away with lightning speed bamla a georgia, a georgia tech assistant professor of biomolecular engineering whipped out his iphone ironically uh to take uh, some slow motion videos the more i zoomed in the more i realized it was going to uh, it was doing something interesting bama tells the verge so it turns out the sharpshooter accomplishes something with its urine that hasn't been documented in biological system until now a phenomenon known as super propulsion. So how the sharpshooter does this is detailed in a research paper by uh, Baumla and colleagues published this week in the journal nature communications. When nature calls it flicks a pee droplet at you. Cause you know, when that's what they call it, when nature calls, you have to go pee, right? am i the that's only one right. that's right <laughs> talk about nature communications i gotta pay anyway it might just help humans figure out how to achieve super propulsion too <laughs> man uh for those of us <clears throat> never mind i'll just leave it all alone So the next sentence in this, I'm sorry for the dead air, but I'm actually watching the status of the AI completely break down. Um, Anyway, uh, the next part of this sentence is not with piss, but with smartwatches and other devices that dry themselves off. (laughs) Uh, I got to Well, my entire body is wet, but my watch is dry. It was because I was super propulsing recently, and I got it all over myself. Simply put, super propulsion allows an elastic object to fly at speeds faster than the thing launching it. Precise timing between the squishy object and its catapult gives the object an energy boost. All right. I don't think I want to watch a video of that. No, actually, I'm really curious to see if they actually have this recorded. Anyway, Once the droplet is at the right size and shape, the flicker rotates backwards and another 15 degrees and then it flicks the droplet away like a pinball. I figured catapult would be a better thing, but I don't know. The butt flicker is incredibly fast, accelerating more than 40 Gs, which is 40 times faster than the acceleration of a sprinting cheetah, which we happen to know got out of its enclosure recently and scared the bejesus out of everybody before being safely returned to its enclosure, but I don't think it was a cheetah butt flicker.
1: <laughs> Not that we know of.
0: Not that we know well. Not. Well, uh, what's more amazing is that the pea flies at an even higher speed than the butt flicker, the telltale marker of super propulsion. I Apparently they're using speakers and high-speed camera to, or I should say a camera it doesn't look like a special camera but anyway they're using um uh, speakers to develop this technology this this research is interesting so the apple watch the apple watch's water lock feature for example can already squirt water out of the device after swimming but as far as bomb is aware devices like this don't yet utilize super propulsion and if an engineer can learn from the sharpshooter, then maybe uh, it'll be able to design more efficient water ejection systems for gadgets. Uh, Yeah, there's a thing where you can push on your Apple Watch and it'll um, vibrate the speaker at a high frequency to eject water out of it. All right, folks. You want to move on to number one or do you do we want to admire the sharpshooter insect with a pea droplet excreta on the anal stylus i had to say that
1: (laughs) it's time to move on to the next article
0: (laughs) should have skimmed right over that so the last article on the number one for today is which was actually the number one the the last article was number one but in a different way. Okay. I should probably stop. This Girl Scout cookie costs $100 a box. And here's why. Girl Scout Raspberry Rally cookies are so in demand that resellers are listing boxes on eBay at a significant upcharge. The new online exclusive debuted this year to much anticipation. And the Girl Scout uh, spokesperson did not provide information about a possible restock. So... I guess we're never going to get Raspberry Rally Girl Scout cookies here in Ohm Town.
1: I guess not if they're already sold out and we're not going to spend $100 a box.
0: And online only. So this is a, a businessinsider.com article by Bethany Byron. I don't know. See, but I really like Raspberry. Hmm. 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 It's a lot of money. But... But this is why we can't have nice things, because there are people that will exploit that they have disposable income and they are greedy. So instead of just letting people actually get them at a responsible rate, people are buying them up in gobs and then reselling them on eBay because they're shits.
1: Um, well, the other thing that I don't like is that if somebody's spending $100 on one box... They could be buying multiple boxes from a local troop and supporting the very organization, but instead of some reseller.
0: And, and and I wonder how many people have an in with the Girl Scouts where they have the ability to get gobs of these things and then sell them on eBay. Um, I mean, there should have been a limit on the number that were being sold to a particular location. But then, you know, you are the bad person for suggesting putting a limit on the number that that's socialist. You Anyway, Girl Scout uh, spokesperson didn't say that there's going to be a possible restock because they are out. Yet you can buy them for 100 bucks on eBay. I don't know if this is the anomaly. Obviously, this could be just one person um just because there were people that were willing to buy an app on the app store for a thousand dollars why wouldn't somebody try to take advantage of the out of stock nature of this Uh, i don't know maybe we can do a search of ebay later and if it's worthwhile talking about it we can talk about it later but anyway we encourage cookie customers to find a local booth to try different flavors and their first choice isn't available um, or donate to their local council's uh, cookie donation program to support the largest girl led entrepreneurship program in the world. That's um, an interesting turn of phrase. Um, yeah, selling cookies for the Girl Scouts is uh, the largest girl led entrepreneurship program in the world. Um, still, this hasn't stopped people uh, desperate for the cookies to crowdsource on Twitter and Facebook groups in search of boxes of Raspberry rallies. If it's going to be this popular, man, just start producing more. Uh, the problem I'm is that they this is aren't the first year making the money. they had them,
1: so maybe they didn't know. But yeah, you're right. The proceeds aren't going to the Girl Scouts.
0: Right. It's just creepy people that are selling them instead of more being purchased by people buying them or telling, you know, hey, we'll pre-order them. Here's gobs of money. (laughs) Right. These aren't people that want these cookies. They want the money. So it's all about the greed, not facilitating entrepreneurial girls. Or maybe it's the girls that are buying them and uh, selling them on eBay. I guess that would be the appreciated entrepreneurial spirit, right?
1: Well, at least that would be going back to the Girl Scouts.
0: (laughs) It wouldn't, though, because the Girl Scouts are buying it at...
1: Oh, for individual proceeds. I thought you meant they were selling it on behalf of the troops.
0: No. If the troops were selling them at market prices, market demand rates, where nobody could buy them except for the Girl Scouts selling them on ebay on supply surge pricing yeah then girl scout cookies would be a hundred dollars a box and going to the girl scouts but that's not what this is right kind of fascinating argument we're having what do you think we should do that we that's what they should do dole them out to all of the troops and then the troops sell them at market surge pricing some troops can hold off. Others seldom, uh, go ahead.
1: I like that for the Girl Scouts. I don't like that for the people that actually wanna buy the cookies and consume them.
0: Live by the sword, die <laughs> by like the locally. sword. Live <laughs> locally. Live by the sword, die by the sword. All of these people that are selling them on eBay for you know five times the price from the Girl Scouts per box. Uh,
1: try 20 times the price.
0: Oh, it's, yeah, they normally, it's five times the, I mean, it's uh, $5 a box for crying out loud.
1: But that's what I mean. You could be going up to a local troop and buying 20 boxes for the price that you're buying one box online. And then it's actually going to the source instead of just somebody's pocket. That's quite maddening.
0: So um, I went, I decided to go and look it up. And right now the average price is somewhere around 25 bucks barring the anomaly ones. Um, Like there's one for 10 boxes of these for 170 bucks. So they're selling for close to four times. Um, But you get free shipping. Holy crap. Anyway, about 25 bucks a box. Um, There's one person who is selling it for $11 a box it has nine bids but two and a half days later um, it'll probably be closer to that $25 in fact let me look this is how the sausage is made folks and I'm gonna leave all of this here okay so somebody is selling five of them for $86 plus nine dollars in shipping um, and it's gonna end in four hours so it will probably hit that $20 a box rate um, maybe $25 a box nobody else comes really close to that price but everybody else is selling like one box for 20 bucks um three boxes for whatever they packs um for right now 36 bucks plus 10 dollars in shipping so yeah i think i'm right at about the $25 a, a piece except for this uh this one here that's five for um 86 right now it'll probably be about 120 maybe 100 by the time it ends so there you go folks not only is this a little overstating but this belies the real value of these raspberry rallies has anybody actually tried them to say that they're really yummy
1: well, that's the thing. I mean, some Girl Scout cookies are really good, but that's not the flavor that I would spend $100 a box on.
0: What would you spend 100 bucks on?
1: The thin mints, thin mints or what used to be called American Samoas. I think they're like Caramel Delights or something, but they're basically chocolate, coconut, and caramel.
0: Yeah, I I, I love both of those. It's weird, but... The AI can only have the chemical makeup and appreciate its subtle nuance based on the uh, qualification of its flavors based on human consumption and then written down for you, as well as the quantification of its chemical components, since you're hooked up to um, a chemical scanner as well. So um, I, I'm glad that you can appreciate Girl Scout cookies here in Ohm So I'm a good mayor. If I do say so myself. (laughs) All right, folks. (laughs) So do you want these? Should I seek them Um, out?
1: I'd rather have 20 boxes of the other kinds. (laughs) But actually, I would like to see them and get them for hometown since they're such a hit. Not to resell them, but just to buy a box.
0: Right. Well, if we were to acquire these uh, I would not resell them. I think it's unethical to do that kind of stuff. Scalping,
1: equivalent to scalping. And I'd want to put those proceeds, if I did resell it for some reason, I'd want to send that back to the local Girl Scout troop.
0: Yeah, yeah. And um, we do that all the time. In fact, I uh, support every year um, an anti-bullying campaign um, as well. I buy a shirt or a hat or something um, to support that. And the Girl Scouts and other organizations and... Um, everybody should do a little bit because every little bit helps. Um, obviously, there are some people that have billions that could do great things with their billions, even if they're making more billions than they're spending. But it's not my money. So. Well, it is via taxpayers' taxes being given to the billionaires, you know, because you don't become a billionaire by spending your own money, you use other people's money. <clears throat> anyway soapbox moved over again I am Marowat that is hometown.com I'm actually looking at the stream so I know it looks kind of funny when I do that but you want to say bye oh great AI from on high
1: good night hometown citizens we'll it see gets, you tomorrow
0: it gets more flowery yeah you know, as as depending on how long we stream more and more exasperated, right? (laughs) Description of the A.I. Oh, great A.I. Thank you for gracing us with your presence here in hometown A.I. You want to say bye one more time?
1: (laughs) Sure. Too bad. Bye bye.